Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is Q&A number 38, March 2023 edition. And we have got eight great questions that we're going to answer, I'm going to say, pretty thoroughly. And I'm joined today by my beautiful wife. How you doing? Okay, thanks. All right. And so... We're going through a hard time in our marriage because my haircut is really far from ideal at the moment. If the listeners are wondering why I have not been putting out uh, recently some some really great video blogs, that's because I'm waiting for my hair to rise to heights of uh, gloriousness, waviness, and spikiness. To compete with our Pomeranian. That's right. With with my hair, I have a, a specific combination of uh, genetics and uh, nutrient cofactors that allows me to uh, achieve a simultaneous effect of spikiness and waviness, and that will be coming soon. There's a little bit of personal growth that needs to happen before that. So before we get into your great questions here, I just have to mention that this is not medical advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm just an experienced self-experimenter practicing some free speech here, talking about things that I've got a not insignificant amount of experience with, and then my interpretations of the published science. And I do recommend uh, when you're making uh, decisions about your health, especially if those are serious decisions, I advise you to avail yourself of a multiplicity of doctors and medical professionals' opinions on those kinds of things. Because sometimes you go to one doctor and they tell you once they want to, they tell you one thing, and it's kind of a useful thing that they inform you of, but it's not quite all that you need to know. And then you go to a second doctor or a second professional, and they tell you something a little bit differently. And then maybe even you even go to a third or fourth person, and you end up getting the full picture. Or maybe you do that talking to those, those doctors, going into their offices, and waiting to... Uh, get their opinion, but then you also get the opinion of someone like me out there on the internet. And the more, uh, I'm a big fan of opinions, of getting a lot of them when it comes to making um, difficult uh, or important decisions when it comes to your health or whatnot. So please keep that in mind. And then I also want to mention that... uh, I'm going to do my best to answer your questions thoroughly here, but I find that there's a lot of times people that need something more than information. We live in a time where we are all very rich in terms of information. However, sometimes what you need is someone to listen to you a bit more. Isn't that kind of important, babe? Someone to listen? And this is something that I'm actually pretty good at. I think it's a, a, a natural strength of mine that I have uh, cultivated a bit over the years is I like to get on calls, Skype calls, Zoom calls with people, and I just listen to them describing their unique kind of set of challenges in regards to a lot of times it's a... A biological thing that they're struggling with or a goal that they are going after or a glass ceiling that seems to be imposing itself upon their lives. And when I get the chance to jump on a Skype call with somebody for, it's typically 90 minutes, I can go a bit deeper in that particular for personal format than I can here in a Q&A podcast. 
And then we emerge from that 90-minute call with a action plan for a short-term or you could call it a medium-term goal that people might have with some KPIs, with some daily, weekly, monthly kinds of things that they are implementing uh, to get themselves a little bit closer to that ideal version of themselves that they are shooting for. And we call this a sprint or a productivity sprint because the thing about sprints is that they don't last forever. They are a period of intensity. And this is my preferred methodology for doing life coaching with people is we identify a a medium term goal, like a, uh, people call it like a smart goal, something that is measurable, attainable. Ooh, I forget what the other acronyms are in SMART, but we identify a SMART goal for them, something that is going to push them uh, a bit further than they go usually, something that's going to be a bit out of their comfort zone, but it's only 90 days or maybe even only 60 days of that, and then I stay on top of them. Usually I use an app for habit tracking for this, but sometimes some people have different formats that they prefer with this. Some people really love the habit tracking app. Like there was, uh, remember there was one guy there in uh, Idaho, if you remember him, and he was amazing about using that habit tracking app and he really enjoyed it and he kept using the habit tracking app. But some people prefer to get a little text message exchange on a daily basis or weekly basis. Some people prefer a phone call once a week. Some people prefer touching base via email about their habits. And this is really one of my very favorite parts of my job is to work personally with people. So If you listen to this podcast and you find the information useful, but you say, I think I maybe need a little bit more than information, then please do get in touch with me via the Lean Life Coaching form on my website. And this form was recently redesigned and it's even more awesome than it was before. So I do hope that those of you who are a bit more ambitious or a bit more in need, go and check that out. And I do look forward to those inquiries, those forms coming in. And I do respond to all of those, even if your issue is outside of my particular wheelhouse, which sometimes people send me in health issues that are above my pay grade. And with those, I don't uh, ignore those emails, but I just direct them to someone who's more appropriate, typically. And my voice is getting very gravelly, extra gravelly. So I am going to have a drink of my coffee here while my wife reads the first question. Comes from Frank via email. How can we reverse fat loss in the face when we age? So how to combat hollow cheeks and loss of collagen? Already use red light LED therapy. I take a bunch of supplements like, for instance, niacin, astaxanthin, curcumin, and omega-3 fatty acids, but nothing extraordinary. So the way to address an issue like this with your face, if you see yourself in the mirror and you say, hey, there could be some room for improvement here with my visage, the uh, way to address this is, of course, with Instagram filters, is with uh, just just do what everyone else out there in the world does, which is uh, you, you make yourself look better by filtering yourself. So... Frank, I delved into some research on this one, and he mentioned collagen, and yeah, of course, collagen is going to decline as the decades pass, and this has a predictable effect on all of our appearances, and so I would recommend, first of all, is 
megadosing the collagen. Collagen is one of these things that you can take it in a pretty wide range. A lot of people will do, they'll, they'll maybe only do something like five grams of collagen because a lot of times, or maybe 10 grams of collagen because a lot of times that's about what the little scooper size is. But collagen is one of those things that you can take up to 30, 40 grams of the stuff because it is a food additive. There's not a, there's not a downside to taking more of it. And if you are a bit deficient in collagen, which is what your question suggests, then yeah, just get more collagen in your system so that your uh, dermis can rebuild some of those structures. And then collagen has a couple of different cofactors, which you don't mention here in your question, which is, first of all, vitamin C. You've probably heard of this. Vitamin C and collagen share some real important synergies. And interesting fact, vitamin C is actually kind of like the poor man's collagen. If you, for whatever reason, if you couldn't afford collagen, because it can be a little bit pricey, or if you didn't have access to collagen, taking vitamin C has a lot of those same types of effects on our system. So I would make sure that you're getting like a gram a day of vitamin C. A lot of times your collagen products will just include that. And you do mention red light therapy, which is great because red light therapy is the, uh, the photodynamic cofactor to collagen. It just enables the ATP process in the mitochondria. It optimizes it a bit more so that the absorption, uptake, and utilization of the collagen is increased. So I would make sure that you are using red light therapy on your face on a regular basis. And then there's two other, a little bit lesser known cofactors of collagen, which is methylene blue, which you've probably heard of. Methylene blue is this uh, marvelous anti-aging compound with a bunch of different applications. And there are some beauty products that include methylene blue in a serum that enables the uh, optimal absorption into your skin. So you could look at if you're doing red light therapy, methylene blue, and collagen, you would really be getting your maximum bang for your buck out of that. And then there was a final thing that I saw in my research of collagen, which is that it shares some synergies with cryotherapy. So cryotherapy is a uh, stylish biohacking thing that I would love to try. Haven't tried it yet. And if you could look up if there's a cryotherapy uh, station nearby where you live, and then you could ask them if they have a cryotherapy option for skincare. And they may or may not. That would be something worth considering. And then there's some other kind of beauty hacks that I've written about on my website. There's some uh, nutraceutical options that I'd suggest stacking on. Of course, you're gonna just have to kind of look at your budget and then determine what fits into your budget. But if you have a, a substantial budget, there's actually a lot of things that you could do here. So you could add on the herb bladderwrack, which is just a lovely name, isn't it? The antioxidants in bladderwrack have beautification effects on the skin, clearing the, complex the complexion blemishes and smoothing wrinkles. And notably, there was a Japanese study that showed improvements in thickness and elasticity of the skin after five weeks of twice a day dosage. And there was also a 2012 Swedish paper that identified it as a pro-collagen anticellulite 
agents. And these studies, uh, these studies suggest that you'd want to use Bladderac for five to 12 weeks to reap its beautification uh, benefits. So that would be a little bit more of a long-term strategy. And then Bladderac is, at least in one of the products I featured on my website, is used alongside burdock root. And there are two clinical trials evaluating burdock's roots, uh, promising properties for beautifying the skin. There was a German study that administered it for four weeks and observed that a wrinkle volume in crow's feet was significantly reduced and... Yeah, and then the other studies were not so uh, relevant. And then I'll also direct your attention to a little bit lesser known supplement that's called thyronine. And this is a supplement that works on the uh, thyroid function and your the state of your skin, like a lot of things in the body, is downstream from thyroid. Uh, thyroid function. And so when I was looking into this, I was coming across uh, decent anecdotal evidence that uh, working on thyroid function would improve skin elasticity. I think this was the I think this was the supplement where they were talking about that if you felt like you had thin skin, not metaphorical, or figurative thin skin, but actual thin skin, then uh, this one seemed to help people with that. And they felt like their their skin was, was thicker and more vibrant looking afterwards. And then I did a cross-reference on PubMed by, I, I looked for hollow cheeks just to see if there are any studies specifically on that. And sure enough, there was, and they were using hyaluronic acid, which you remember, that's the supplement I gave you. Remember that really tasty, um, it was a, we would take it with dinner. It was one of the youth and earth supplements. Do you remember how good that one tasted? I'll link to this product. It was a, it was one of these, uh, you would take it as this velvety solution and it really did taste nice. So you'd want to look at hyaluronic acid and actually a lot of the collagen products include hyaluronic acid. In fact, I think the one that we have in our biohacker cabinet at this very moment has that one as well. And then another product that you could look at is called Exomitin. And this one has kind of a unique mechanism of action. It utilizes the SKQ1 molecule, which is this really innovative, I think it's a pretty cool anti-aging technology where it is a targeted mitochondrial antioxidant and it essentially takes the PQQ molecule, which is an anti-aging molecule, and then it magnetically is targeted to mitochondria. And this has all sorts of fascinating anti-aging possibilities, but there was a product that I will link to that specifically puts it into a skin cream. And there's like a really expensive version of it. And then there's another version of it that's like 25 euros. And I think that one would be worth trying. And you could also consider C60. When I was looking at the research on C60, I looked into the anecdotal evidence as well as the clinical trial evidence. And there was a 2010 Japanese study of 23 women that noted fewer wrinkles. And so it would stand to reason that things that would fight wrinkles would also restore a bit of the, a bit of the shape of the face. And I actually do not recommend the C60 
in coconut oil. I tried this once as a beauty hack. I got C60 in coconut oil and I put it on my lips and I put it on my face. And this did not have an effect that I enjoyed. In fact, it seemed to dry out my skin. And I did a little bit more research on this. And I discovered, contrary to what you'll find on a bunch of uh, beauty and skincare blogs, that coconut oil can be bad for your skin because coconut oil has this antibacterial, antimicrobial effect and it will disrupt the microbiome on your skin. And this can be not good for us. So if you're going to apply coconut oil, apply C60 to your skin, I recommend doing it with the olive oil C60 products like the ESS 60 is I think the highest quality one out there. And olive oil, those uh, polyphenols in high quality olive oil have all sorts of positive effects on our skin. And you kind of just take this to the next level by combining it with the super antioxidant C60. And then just a few other things that I will mention <clears throat> if you're concerned about your appearance. And part of this might be just kind of a growing or a, uh, a getting older thing is as you get older, there's no perfect uh, skin hack. There's no perfect beautification hack. Uh, aging and the uh, vicissitudes that it imposes upon our appearance are kind of an inevitable kind of thing. So I would suggest that you maybe check out the article I wrote about life hacking your looks and about ex uh, and and this includes a bunch of little things that you can do to accentuate other aspects of your appearance to kind of make up for the inevitable effects that aging is going to have on you so for example i can think about uh so we got frank he's a man and so Men can improve their appearance by, for example, wearing V-neck shirts, by wearing uh, shirts or blazers that taper to a V-neck in, uh, in the front there. And what this does is it sets, up a, it sets up a symmetry when people are seeing you. And so, some, so this sort of symmetry can kind of take people's attention away from the hollow cheeks that you may be developing, that the skin hacks that I mentioned here will probably make some difference in them. But yeah, if you're concerned about that, Maybe if you're uh, maybe if you're hit hitting the dating market or something like that, go and work on the other aspects of the go and look at the other things that you can do to enhance your appearance. Maybe maybe hit them all and update your wardrobe. If your uh, if your wardrobe is uh, is from the year. 2000, um, shine your shoes. These type of things can all, these type of things all contribute to this, to this whole package that people are looking at other than just, other than just your cheeks. And then on the dietary front, I would recommend eating more coconuts, eating raw coconuts. And raw coconuts are a superfood, as I'm sure you're aware, but they do have a positive effect on your skin because raw coconut is the ideal type of fat. And I have been eating raw coconuts almost every day for, it's probably over a decade now, and on different places on my website. In fact, I will publish this gallery to the show notes for this podcast. I have pictures of myself from 10 years ago, and I look about the same as I did 
10 years ago. It's I've aged very gracefully this past decade. And I think that has a lot to do with the with the amount of raw coconut that I eat. That's my little hypothesis on that. Wouldn't you agree with that, babe, having seen my photos? Actually, I wouldn't jump because right now you look much, much better than you did 10 years ago. That's what she thinks. That's what she thinks, which should really have the listeners sold on coconuts. If you think it's just coconuts, so be it. I think the coconuts probably... That probably has something to do with it because it has been a it's been a lively it's been a lively decade for me and uh, yeah I think I I think I've aged pretty well if you'll excuse uh, the bit of vanity. Next, I am just going to direct your attention to two podcasts if you want to take your uh, skincare to the next level. Which there was an excellent discussion on the Mido Life. Uh, podcast with Matt Blackburn. And he was talking with Andy Nilo about clay masks and ancient skin care. And it was like a two or three hour discussion of all these different skin hacks. And I, Andy Nilo, I don't actually know him, but I know he has a, a skin care line of products, Altura Naturals, I think it's called. And I will link to that based upon this three-hour podcast. I think that that line of skincare products probably has uh, the highest standards in that industry. I was pretty impressed with the obsessive level of uh, quality care that it talks about they put into their products, although they are uh, they're very very expensive. But I don't know if you're a if you're a model if you're yeah if you're if you're really looking to take things to the next level there in the face department. I would consider those. And then a while back, I found a really good podcast on the topic of skincare, which was the Healthy Skin Show with Jennifer Fugo. And this show red-pilled me on uh, coconut oil on the skin. I was a, a coconut oil normie, and I thought that you could just slather coconut oil on your skin, but she informed me, and she has a lot more great information on that. So yeah, I hope that Frank implements some of those things, and it would be interesting if he did a before-after photo, if he took a picture of himself now, or if he had a picture of his face in good lighting before he started doing some of these skin hacks, and then if he implemented some of these things for... Well, those studies were saying that it could take five to six weeks for the herbal interventions. So maybe, yeah, maybe implement things for a month or two and then get back to us with a after photo. And who knows, it might take longer than that. But I have a feeling that uh, stacking all these kinds of things will, will make a real difference there for him. Next question, babe. Next question uh, comes from... A Someone uh, named It's Been a Hard Life on Bastion, responding to a righteous rant. Resist the siren song of superfluity subscription services. That's a great word, isn't it? Superfluity. Yeah, you, sure. You know what superfluity means? I have heard the word before. It's a synonym for superfluous, which means just unnecessary, unnecessary stuff. Superfluity. That's your word of the day, listeners. I don't and haven't seen any products that once you buy require a paid subscription and are controlled by an app on your phone, which also probably tries to track your usage and phone movement. I would refuse that kind of product, send it, send it back, never join, etc., etc. When you use the word hacking and throw bio in front of it, I'm assuming that you're buying products to bypass your body's internal mechanisms and systems. Is it right? And if so, why would you want to do that? Why would we want to biohack? That's his question. I think this guy is unacquainted with 
biohacking. So to address the first point that he makes, yeah, I am not a huge fan of some of these biohacking products that have come out where they require the purchase of a device and then they require ongoing payment for that device to work. Or I should say, I'm not a big fan of the products that do this where there's not a whole lot of extra value provided by the ongoing subscription service. That's why I called it super fluty in that righteous rant that I delivered there. And that's something that I'm hoping maybe I can uh, galvanize some, uh, some change in the, in the market. And then, so he asks, why would you want to do biohacking? And there are a multitude of reasons. I have recorded hundreds of podcasts on that topic, but I will name just one that is very timely. I think about this terrible, awful event that occurred just a few weeks ago there in East Palestine, Ohio, with the train crash and the subsequent idiotic decision by the authorities to go and burn off um, thousands of tons, I believe it was thousands of tons of extremely toxic chemicals spreading these cancer-causing uh, chemicals all around that part of the country and um, subsequently spreading them, spreading them elsewhere. Remember when I told you about that event, babe? Not really. There, there in East Palestine, I called it America's Chernobyl. This is how a lot of people are characterizing this event, because if you've watched very many documentaries about Chernobyl, you know what happened is very few people died up front in Chernobyl, but it caused an incredible amount of deaths via cancer downstream from that event because radioactive particles got spread all over the, the Soviet Union. And a lot of people are calling East Palestine America's Chernobyl because all of these very nasty cancer-causing chemicals are, well, they are coming to food near you if you are in North America. And there's really not, what you could do is you could try to avoid that by eating really high quality organic food that maybe doesn't come from that region of North America, but you're still going to get those chemicals anyways. And the uh, serious cancer risk that comes with them. And there's simply not that much that you can do about that. And that is why we do biohacking. Because biohacking is this large stack of uh, supplements and habits and strategies and technologies that we employ to make our biology anti-fragile to the uh, myriad of challenges that it faced in modernity. So I do hope that I can uh, get you. It's been a hard life, especially if it's been a hard life. You should be concerned with biohacking. Okay, next question. Next question comes from SRB81 in Bastion. Do you know of anything natural for kidney stones other than kratom for the pain? I found a natural stone breaker, but I'm not sure how well it really works yet. It's Peruvian Chanca Piedra. Honestly, I'm not sure if it's helped all that much. Oh man, I feel for you. you I totally know what you're, what you're going through. Well, so he mentioned this stuff, Chanca Piedra, which I had never heard of that. And there was, there, there's been some pretty good articles and there has been some science on the topic. And for example, so reading from this article, two laboratory studies of Chanca Piedra have been published. In one study, rats, oh geez, even rats are getting kidney stones. That's not right. Poor little furry guys. 
In one study, rats with implanted stones in their, bad, in their bladder were fed a liquid extract of the herb, which appeared to slow its growth. And the article says, collectively, these two small laboratory studies suggested that the herb may have a partial effect on how stone crystals form and <clears throat> may do so in a way that does not change the typical measures of urinary chemistry that are seen in stone formers. And there have been three clinical studies that are done on it. So I think that one is a decent option. And then I did a PubMed search on this one. And on PubMed, I came across the herb Philanthus neruri. And this is a herbal therapy for kidney stones. And there was a systemic review and meta-analysis. So that's great. The meta-analysis is uh, what we want. And the meta-analysis concludes that limited clinical evidence supports the modest, modest efficacy of P. Nuri, the herbal intervention, in reducing stone burden pending further study. So that one is worth looking at. And the one thing that he mentions here that's a little bit of a red flag is crotum. And I would suggest that you maybe look at something different than crotum for the pain. Maybe try CBD for the pain. The picture on crotum is... Mm, unfortunately, I am not real bearish and optimistic about Crotum. There was a good video that was done recently by Ryan Michael Ballow on Crotum and the detrimental effects that uh, Crotum can have on male libido. And there have been some cases of uh, otherwise young, healthy men that are badly losing their libido because of the ways that Crotum interacts with our hormonal system. I do know that Crotum can be uh, it can be a godsend for pain. And some people do need it for pain, but there's, there's some risks with crotum. It's uh, far from being a benign herbal intervention. So I would maybe encourage you to look at some of the other pain management uh, options that are out there. Okay, next question. Next question comes from Jay Gomez on YouTube. Can you put this in, a, in coffee or will the heat degrade the methylene blue? <laughs> Putting methylene blue in coffee, that might make the coffee very blue itself, which would that might be kind of funny. Like if you were in an office and you had your coffee mug and you had blue coffee, you would get like a lot of looks for eating, <laughs> for drinking blue coffee. I would not put methylene blue in coffee. I did some I did some googling on this one and I couldn't find some studies where they were uh where they were heating methylene blue up like that. It might not have a beneficial effect on the methylene blue. And with methylene blue, you really don't need to take very much of it. So I would just, uh, I would just squeeze it into. You can just uh, squeeze the pipette into your mouth, or you could put it into a glass of water. I wouldn't heat that one up. Next question. Leslie has some advice. He started ed lifting in seventh grade in 1977. Studies are bullshit. They change all the time depending on who is funding them and the research design. Pay little attention to studies. Just fucking lift and don't complicate it. Trying to optimize to get 0.03 better results only sets you back and you'll suffer paralysis by analysis. Lift steady. Lift steady. Lift as much weight as you can without losing form. Do this consistently over a few years. 
and you'll be amazed at the results. I advise avoiding deadlifts and squats. Use machines for squats. Don't compress your spine. The little bit of extra muscle growth you get from squatting isn't worth the spinal compression and the bad luck you'll have at 60. Eat clean food. Eat a variety of food. Play the long game. Don't worry about putting on 30 pounds of muscle in one year. Put on five pounds of muscle every year for six years. Don't complicate the shit. The fitness industry complicates it to sell you shit. <laughs> okay. There's, there's a few good points here, which is a few good points made here and a few things that I maybe disagree with. I'm hearing a bit of uh, cynicism from Leslie. So yeah, he makes a good point, which is to uh, get out there and go and lift consistently that you want to be the uh, tortoise, especially when it comes to the gym. You want to be the tortoise, not the hare. You want to stay conservative with your lifts and with your exercise so that you can do it for decades as opposed to doing it for a few months and getting injured and then being set back months because you are injured. That's that's really not great. That's why I stay uh, that's why I stay very conservative in the gym. I think he makes a decent point about deadlifts and squats. I like doing squats, but I have stopped uh, doing squats with a lot of weight. I go for the I go for the reps, not the uh, not the weight with the squats. I I don't think. The guys at the gym are impressed with me because I'm not one of them who's putting a bunch of weight on the squat rack so that I can uh, get a good uh, Instagram photo or whatever. I think it's probably a good point about using uh, using the machine for squats because, yeah, the, the spinal compression, that is a really scary thing. So good point made there. And I would object just a bit to the cynicism that he is expressing because I do think that in the current year, I think that science is a bit more helpful to us because in in the past I can understand his cynicism because in the past um, the state of research and the state of science was rather was rather low quality. There was a tremendous amount of science that was done that was corrupted by industry or it was corrupted by kind of the the scientific syndicate that is built around a lot of this research. But what I see when I look on PubMed, which I spend hours and hours and hours every week looking at PubMed for different supplements that I write about and feature on Limitless Mindset, I see a lot of meta-analysis papers done. And those, meta <clears throat> those meta-analysis papers are really clarifying because they will be looking at a multiplicity of studies. They'll be looking at hundreds of different human subjects that were taking a particular supplement. And then they can reach, I think, more accurate types of conclusions based upon that. So I might agree that some studies are certainly BS. That does happen, especially when they are studies that are uh, funded by industry. I get a bit suspicious about that. And I get suspicious, a bit suspicious when it's some sort of a patented supplement that's being studied. And a lot of times you'll see that there on PubMed. You'll see that there's a patented ingredient that's been studied and they reach a positive conclusion about it. Um, but then there's a conflict of interest with one of the authors of the study. And so I discount that a bit. However, when you're seeing meta-analysis papers of multiple studies that are done, those meta-analysis should indicate 
the, the conclusions of those should be a bit closer to the truth. So I don't think it's necessary to be quite so cynical about what studies are saying about different things. And I think that studies can often uh, guide us and they can often help us to uh, identify the best strategy and avoid strategies which may be counterintuitive. So yeah, I'm going to continue to pay attention to uh, studies, but then um, studies are kind of, studies are one pillar of the empiricism that a biohacker, that a biohacker practices. And the other P, the other pillars are anecdotal evidence and then your N of one trials. So the anecdotal evidence is just going out there on the internet and looking and seeing what other people are saying that are have the same goals as you and are using the same sorts of supplements, seeing what they are saying. And then you look at, again, what your personal experience is with it. And a lot of times you'll find, and with something like creatine, for example, and Leslie was responding to my video about creatine. And with creatine, it's very, very well established in the scientific literature. And then you'll find a synergy of what the science is saying with what people, with what a wide range of people are saying about their experiences with it. And then I certainly have found that my own personal experience with creatine lines up with all of that. So I think that, yeah, practicing that empiricism can and should assuage a bit of that skepticism. Next question. Rob, via email. What would your number one recommendation for the brain? Just wanted to know what your top brain nootropic was. No problem. Keep up the great work. Okay, number one recommendation for the brain. Ooh, this is a question that I get with some regularity and it's not my favorite question because there is so much neurodiversity. There's so much biological diversity. There's so many differences between different people and the challenges that they face. And I do like it when people give me a bit more information about what they have tried and maybe what they're struggling with, typically via that lean life coaching form. And then I'm usually able to identify very specific things that they are going to get a real bang for their buck out of. However, since you are asking, what is your number one recommendation? Well, that would be nootropics. And there's a couple of nootropics that I think are real consistent performers that are going to make you a bit more cognitively dangerous version of yourself. And no surprise, number one would be paracetam. Paracetam is the original smart drug. It's the smart drug and it's an actual drug. It's a pharmaceutical synthetic molecule that's been studied for decades and decades. It has been the subject of hundreds of different clinical trials. It's been the subject of long-term population studies where they saw what it did to large groups of people over, I believe it was 20 years. They gave it to a village in France. And that one is a very consistent performer as a nootropic. Second to that is nicotine, which can be a little bit surprising for some people because they think nicotine, isn't that the nasty addictive chemical in cigarettes that makes cigarettes addictive? And it is the thing that makes cigarettes addictive, but it's also a powerful smart drug in its own right. And in my view, it is the best creativity smart drug. It is the it is the smart drug that is the uh, that powered the writing of J.R. Tolkien and Rind. All sorts of great novelists were voracious smokers, and that's no coincidence. It's it's really quite good for creativity. And then there's some other nootropic stacks that I think are quite good. Of course, if you're looking for nootropics, you're going to come across hundreds of different nootropic stack products out there on the internet. 
And I have used many of them. And the majority of them do have a beneficial effect, but there's a couple that outperform in my experience. And so those would be Newtopia, the Tau stack, and Quantum Mind. Those are some of my favorites. And I will link on my website where I have in-depth reviews of those. And we have arrived at our final question. Was and This was from the relationships yes. subreddit. Yes, maybe they have already divorced. Maybe, maybe. But hopefully, hopefully we can get this out to her and maybe... <laughs> Maybe she, maybe she can make things work with this uh, pretty ridiculous situation that she's got on her hands. Okay, so she's 27, or was at the time, and he was 41. What's the title of the... My husband's apocalypse prepping is destroying my life and my happiness. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm married to my husband for seven years. We have two children. I don't even really know where to start. Our relationship started out due to failed birth control. Yes, no wonder why. He just gaslit her because he's so much older than her. I was scared he had just graduated again and we were poorish, but he was highly educated and promised a normal life since he'd be able to get a good job, house and blah, blah. Well, that's not what happened. Two years into the marriage, he stopped working because my self-employment was a viable income. I make about 100000 a year, sometimes a little more. This was a unilateral decision by him. He's home 100% of the time. He was normal when we first met. No weird beliefs or political hang-ups. Over time, he started changing. Paranoia, living in constant fear. Only leaving the house a few times a year. Only a few times a year? Get out, man. Guy needs therapy, John. Okay. He genuinely believes the world is going to end in a variety of different potential ways. Personally, after seeing power, grid, failures, etc., I have no problem with some basic supplies. A little extra food, water, some simple power, generating items for cell phones, and whatnot. That's not what he's done. He took over the family finances years ago, claiming I was incapable. Since then... Yeah, 100k a year. To totally incapable. Woman, you only make 100k a year. Let me, let me tell you how this is done. And he doesn't probably work at all. That's what she said. Yeah. Since then, he has doled out a budget for the family that is just enough for bills, food, and basics. But not including extras such as new seasonal clothing or things like dental care and etc. Yeah, dental care. Who needs it? Absolutely. The rest of our money goes to his prep budgets. He's accumulated $30,000 in personal debt, as well as by my estimation, spent $60,000 more. Military surplus gear, tents, canteens, you name it. What about guns? Okay. What about guns? Probably. Okay, probably. Yeah, probably guns. She probably didn't want to get uh, censored off uh, Reddit. Maybe. For mentioning the G word. We have no savings. Owe money on our taxes, and I live in a, in a constant state of stress. I spent $16 on a book last week, and it invited a screaming, spitting meltdown. I live in constant fear to ask for basic necessities. If one of the kids needs something like shoes, I have to ask months in advance for him to find $50, $100 out of my nearly $8,000. 80,000. 8 to 10,000. Yeah, 8 to 10,000 dollars a month salary. Varies due to self employment. I got 300 dollars worth of dental work done recently, and he forbade me from eating meat for two weeks to cover the cost. My goodness. I bought a coat for our youngest, and he called me responsible. 
I can't do it anymore, but I don't know what to do. I wish I'd never met him. When I fight back, he screams and calls me a normie, mocks me and says without him, I'd die like the rest of the sheep. Honestly, at this point, that doesn't sound too bad. I'm so embarrassed that I make the money I do and I have nothing to show for it. I could have a house, a yard for my children, but all I have is $90,000 in secondhand military camping gear. <laughs> I'd love to see some photos of this ridiculous stash. How do I ever come back from this? He won't listen to reason. I've tried it all. I've tried being defiant. I've tried being demure. Nothing works. I don't believe the world is ending. I'm so miserable sometimes it's hard to get up in the morning. On top of this, he believes I'm lazy and don't care about my children because I won't train with him, which includes things like rigorous exercise with weights. Yeah, you got to prepare to, to uh, the apocalypse is going to happen. Need some, need some muscle, but don't do squats. At least do squats on the machine. He wakes me up after being up all night alone with our youngest by throwing laundry on the bed and telling me to get it done, start contributing. I'm so tired. I'm not even sure what I'm writing is cohesive. Please ask me to clarify anything if you need. My brain sort of struggles sometimes to put it all together. My husband thinks the world is ending and spends all our money on it. Oh, geez. This guy is really doing the prepping thing wrong. He's therapy. Let's think productively, though. How might she be able to remedy this situation? By just telling him to get off his ass and go to work. No, 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 no. That, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. Let's think about how she might be persuasive in this situation. Set boundaries. Okay, okay. I think that's a pretty good, I think that's a pretty good first step. If it's the money that she's making. Absolutely. She needs to set boundaries with severe consequences. Well, I think she could start by just taking control of the money that, that she makes. Absolutely. If it's, if it's, if it's her income, then it's, it's ridiculous that she doesn't have control over her income, especially when she has uh, next to no control over her own income. And a lot of it is being uh, spent in a pretty ridiculous kind of way. Yes, considering she has two kids she needs to take care of. So we are preppers, sort of. We do, we do some prepping. We, every time we go to the store, we, we buy some extra items of food so that we can put them into our prepping space just uh, in the event that this world gets, uh, gets crazier, in the event that food prices go even higher so that we have a reserve. And so some of his, some of his instincts are correct here but he's he's implementing his instincts in a really idiotic kind of way and so what i would suggest here is i think this situation with the two of them might not be totally hopeless i think there might be some room for persuasion to occur here. And I think that she should try to implement pace lead. Remember when I told you about pace lead? The persuasion technique. So in pace lead, what you do is you try to reach an alignment with the other person first. If you, if you just go in to, if you have a difference of opinion with someone, uh, especially if someone is very stubborn and set in their ways, what you do is you don't go in just by calling names or saying that they are crazy or making threats. What you do is you, is you start by 
by expressing some alignment with their concerns. You start by showing that you care about what they care about. Because if you're in disagreement with your partner, and if you t- if you go into the disagreement by stubbornly expressing a fundamental values and principles based difference with the partner where you're saying my motives and my concerns and my thinking are totally contrary to what you're thinking are, then then things are pretty hopeless. Then you make zero progress. Then you're just kind of banging your head against the wall. But when you go into a disagreement, you, I think the right way to do it, especially if you're trying to persuade someone, if you're trying to make a, uh, if you're trying to get someone to change a uh, deeply set behavior, like this obsessive prepping that he's doing, you go in by expressing the same concerns and by making sure that the other person is understanding that their con- that their concerns are understood and that you're on the same team as them. And when you do this, then you have some then you then you have some some capacity to persuade them. So in her case, what I would do is so this guy is uh like next level paranoid prepper. I think this guy sounds like way more paranoid than 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 me. <laughs> he needs therapy, John, like severely. Okay, but that wouldn't that wouldn't work because this kind of guy wouldn't go to therapy. This kind of if she went and said. So that that would not be pace lead because this therapy therapy and mental health are nowhere in this guy's domains of concerns. This guy's worried about nuclear war and he's worried about the, the government trying to kill everyone. This guy is not worried about therapy. He's paranoid, John. That's right. That's right. But he needs treatment. Um, but that wouldn't, that wouldn't work. This is, this is going to be, remember what I was explaining with pace lead is what you do is you start by acknowledging the other person's concerns and you explain to them and show them that you're on the same page with their concerns. And then once they have an understanding of that, then you can, then you can kind of move them in their own direction. So I think what she should do if, if, if I were her and trying to save her marriage, which she has two, they have two kids together and she's, she's already lost $90,000. So it's, it's something where she should probably, unless the guy is totally irredeemable, he may be totally irredeemable, but, um, there may be, if she was trying to save her marriage, this is how, this is how, and, and try to actually get him to be, uh, be a better husband. This is what she would do is she would, she would get totally on the same page as him is she would sit down and have a big discussion with him. And she may actually need to practice some acting skills to, uh, to do this effectively. She would say, look, I am worried about all the same kinds of stuff that you are worried about. I just heard about this terrible thing going on in Palestine, Ohio, and it's going to be America's Chernobyl, and all these people are going to get cancer, and the uh, food delivery infrastructure is going to shut down, and look at all the idiotic stuff that the Biden administration is doing. So that's what she needs to do, is she needs to... Probably with someone like him that's as paranoid as him and as stubborn as him is she she needs to make a uh, and it may be acting skills she she does suggest up here that she's not totally opposed to prepping she understands it uh, she understands it a bit so she's got some common sense there so she should sit down and really emphasize to him that she's on the same page but then what she should do is. I think she should expose him to some of the, she should share with him some of the good uh, podcasts and shows and YouTube channels that are about prepping because he is really kind of doing a 
bad job of prepping here. He's focusing his preps on... He's he's way overbalanced on, as she says, military camping equipment. And that's that's really not the only thing that goes into prepping. And if she, and then I would suggest that she get him listening to the prepping 2.0 show. And this is I think this is one of the best prepping podcasts. And something that this prepping podcast talks about a lot, actually, is it talks about prepping and your relationships. It talks about it talks about prepping and marriage. And it because most most of the the way preppers typically are is preppers are typically guys and they're typically married guys with families and so they're naturally concerned about all the dangerous awful things in the world and they want to protect their families by stockpiling all these different things um but this particular podcast has a lot of episodes about how you about how you how you get your spouse on the same page with the prepping about how you get your spouse involved with the prepping and you make it a thing that you're doing together as a as a team and one of the major points that this podcast makes is that one of the, is that a, a prep a prepping measure that's that's more important than food supplies water supplies medical supplies buying gold buying guns a prep that's way more important than that is having relationships that you can rely on having high quality relationships having uh, people will call it a squad or a team they're people that are around them that are supporting them that are on the same page as them and this is this is the number one prep relationships unsurprisingly and this guy is totally ignoring that particular prep in fact he's destroying his most important partner relationship by the obsessive and wasteful focus on accumulating and stockpiling probably way more camping supplies than than a whole army battalion would need right so i think which i, I think this situation is not actually hopeless and i think that this that this woman she may actually she may leave this guy go file for go file for a divorce and then she may actually end up regretting that because the world is going in a pretty bad way. And depending upon the events that unfold in the next year or two in the world, he may actually not quite look so, not, not quite look totally crazy in the next couple of years. So I would say what she should do is, is again, do the pace lead strategy and get him some good influences in the prepping space. And then once he sees that she's on the same page as him, I think he will actually probably become a bit more responsible because certainly uh, accumulating $30,000 in personal debt and owing back taxes, that's not prepping. That's not responsible. Preparing for the future. I, I think that she could could begin to influence him towards being a holistic and responsible kind of prepper. So I don't think this situation is uh, quite as hopeless as it appears on its face. So those are our Q&A podcasts for March. If there is something that you've got that was not addressed here, if you have Q&A questions, there is a form where you can submit those over on LimitlessMindset.com. So I will be watching my inbox for those. I'm Jonathan. With Limitless Mindset. And? We are looking forward to a continued conversation with you.